Hey pitches, welcome back to Pitch Slapped. That's right, Pitch Slapped is back and we are now sort of well into season two. My name's Kaylee Hillier and uh, I just do this, this is what I do. Obviously we kicked off season two last week when uh, we did a little episode about me which was a novel experience. Hopefully it wasn't too boring, you know, so we, we hope so anyway. And delving into... Season two of Pitch Lab. I didn't even kind of think I'd ever do seasons, but since I went on the little holiday, I was like, you know what? Let's just make this a brand new season. It's easier to kind of like organize everything then and just kind of move it all forward. So here we are, ready to delve into season two. And I have been a fan of Pitch Perfect since sitting down <laughs> on a bad day in the cinema and being introduced to the ballad. I mean, it's like a whole thing. So good. Love it. So, I mean, where do I even start? I didn't know that sort of like two months ago that I would take like a bit of time off, that there would be so many things happening in the time that I decided to kind of just have a little bit of a break. I mean, half the Bellas were on holiday. We were getting some great photos from Rebel Wilson and... Uh, even a few Bacloe-esque moments when Anna Kendrick and Britney Snow just teased us with photos. We also had the, uh, what can only be described, I think, as just, I don't know, the sort of mild horror of the idea that there's going to be a pitch-perfect series, but without any of the Bellas in it, which just threw me right off. And I know there's a lot of feelings about that at the moment, watch this space I suppose we'll see what happens and so delving in to uh, this new season I have obviously got some actor news we've obviously got some fan fiction highlights I've kind of like been delving back into the fan fiction and just pulling a few things that I've enjoyed recently and of course delving into the main part of today's podcast where we are looking at the return of horror week I'm so excited. I really enjoyed Horror Week last year and finding out all about it. Um, it was the first kind of major thing that I'd kind of spoken to a creator about that they were building. And I love just the ins and outs of learning all about the kind of the spooky side of things, especially as we're heading into Halloween. And also just because horror is not necessarily like a big genre that I know that much about. I just get to like nerd out and find out from all these people who are really passionate about it. And although I was a little bit nervous delving into a load of horror stories last year, I totally enjoyed it. So I am so looking forward to Horror Week this year. And uh, I will be finding out more about Horror Week a little bit later on the episode. But first, before we get there, of course, let's start off as we mean to continue with our actor news. So, I mean, like, two little bit of a break. There's a lot of actor news that we can cover. So I am just going to, like, cover some of the more recent stuff that I've seen. I know there's probably lots more out there. And uh, just things I've seen. I'm sure there's loads I miss. But we're just, just going to do our best, whatever it is. So, first off in actor news, Anna Kendrick... She and Justin Timberlake will be back for the return of their roles in Trolls as Poppy and Branch, as it's just been announced that there's going to be a Trolls holiday special called Trolls Holiday in Harmony. It's a half-hour animated musical special, including the likes of Rachel Bloom, 
Esther Dean. So even Esther Dean's in this one as well. I mean, you've got two Bellas right there. The story is going to be about Queen Poppy, who plans the first annual Trolls Kingdom secret holiday gift swap. That's quite a lot to say. Things take an unexpected turn when she and Branch draw each other's names. It's also going to include four original songs and it will be available on digital and DVD from the 30th of November. So just getting you into the festive mood. Also with Anna Kendrick, Love Life Season 2 will be returning to HBO Max. We'll get to see a little bit more of Darby Carter. Obviously, the new season's not about her, but we do know that she will appear in a few moments during the series as it kind of has a little link and crossover to kind of lead to the the other characters. So it's all starting on the 28th of October in the States. Probably means that other places like here in the UK, it's going to be a little bit later, I'm afraid. Elsewhere, Esther Dean, not only is she in the Trolls Holiday Special, but she is also being part of Clash of the Cover Bands, where she is on the panel as a judge with Adam Lambert and Megan Trainer. Hayley Steinfeld's got a heck of a lot of things going on. I am totally excited to see her as Kate Bishop in the Marvel Studios Hawkeye, which will be streaming from November the 24th. There's a lot happening at the end of this year. Lots of things. So put that on the diary, November 24th. And as with a lot of Disney Plus stuff, it's kind of coming out weekly. So I think they're giving you the first two episodes and then they will come out. I don't know when Kate Bishop will appear, but I am very excited to see it. And also, Hayley Steinfeld will be having Dickinson season three coming out. (gasps) Oh my word, so exciting. And it's the final season as well, so I'm like really nervous. The trailer's right and it looks amazing. That is coming out on the 3rd of November. So there was a lot of Hayley Steinfeld stuff happening in November. Elsewhere, Chrissy Fit and the more recent movie that she's in called Woman is Losers is out on Monday the 18th of October. So it's just come out. And Ben Platt's Dear Evan Hansen movie is uh, coming out around the world as we speak. It's coming out in the UK on the 22nd of October, so literally this weekend. But uh, I know it's kind of coming out worldwide different dates. So watch out if you're looking forward for the Dear Evan Hansen movie. It seems to be coming out around this time. A whole host of things that have been happening. I know there's more happening out there. And it's great to see all the things that the cast from Pitch Perfect are getting up to. There's so much happening. It's just so exciting. And that being said, it's time to get a little bit spooky because we do need to delve into Horror Week 2021. Well, it's back for 2021. I was well excited to delve into this last year and excited this year because we have a whole host of new themes and people are already getting psyched for this year's Horror Week. So I've got one of the creators of Horror Week back again. Shelby, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, how's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. How does it feel one year later? You know, it feels like it hasn't even been a year, to be honest. It just (laughs) went by super fast. 
I know it's shocking to think that like a whole year's passed and we're back to horror week again I know and it doesn't I mean like I start prep for this way earlier than October so it doesn't even feel like it's been super long since the last time we spoke that's true like I don't appreciate because obviously I don't do it like the amount of prep that must go in to just like getting to this point because you're at the point now where you've got the themes out there and you're getting ready for the actual week to start the prep for you must start way before that yeah for lack of a better word right now we're in like damage control area where we definitely we answer any questions that anybody has about horror week but we also make sure that we're prepared for the actual week too so what are some of the uh, main questions people ask what do they uh um, I guess like the parameters of the theme, which definitely is a question most of the years, but we don't have like super strict stuff that we definitely want to see. And most of the time it's just like, oh, is this too gory or is like this okay? And I'm always like, yeah, no, it's totally okay. Like just be as creative as you can be. I know that when we spoke last year, we kind of really got into sort of the horror genre and everything. And that's one thing that I loved speaking to you about was just, I think Horror Week's quite unique in a lot of the, the you get like the Chloe Week and stuff, which are fantastic. But Horror Week kind of lets people tap into a whole side that they might not normally tap into and just kind of like see where their brain goes with these spurious topics, like how creepy or camp, whatever they want to take it. Yeah, absolutely. I like it a lot because a lot of people aren't super into horror. And then you give them this kind of weird prompt and they can take it as like soft as they want or go as dark as they want to. And it works in either way. Like there's no end of the spectrum here. And they also get to pick like the relationship that they like the most, which I don't like putting parameters on that either because it definitely it makes it a lot easier for them to be as creative as possible that's an interesting kind of point because one of the things that i i've known other people sort of ask questions about was like oh does it have to be like really scary or whatever and i often forget as well that horror could be you know like your scooby-doo kind of cheesy horror it doesn't always have to be the super scary thing over here this you forget that horror can be quite a big genre in the sense as well. Yeah. And there's definitely like subgenres too, where you get to like sci-fi and then you get to like the mystery thriller. So even if you're not like super spooky, we still encourage people to participate in it because it does just kind of bring a different spin to a movie. That's like a musical rom-com. So that would be so such an interesting thing, though, if you just like picked, I mean, obviously the themes have been picked for this year already, and we'll talk about the themes in a bit, but like you could literally pick like the most randomest, happiest themes and then just add it as a horror week theme and then see what bedlam happens in people's brains to just like come out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I feel like that's a huge thing in horror now, like, especially with like video games. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, that's literally just like a pizza place. And people are like, I'm going to make this as scary as possible. Or like amusement parks, people are like, yeah, we can make this as scary as possible, even though it's literally designed to be fun. Yeah, I we were talking a little bit before the episode, but like uh, the Squid Games that's really popular now is all around children's 
kiddie playground games and suddenly making that super sort of scary or like the, the stakes are higher or whatever. And something that, you know, you played as a kid suddenly is like, whoa, this, this is like a life or death situation. Yeah, which isn't a situation you ever think you're going to find yourself in, which is why it's kind of interesting because it's like we collectively don't think we're ever going to be in this situation, but somehow it makes sense to everybody. Yeah, that's <laughs> and then that suddenly you have to like reassess the things you did in your life because you're suddenly like, wait a second, how would I react to this? If this was me playing this game now or doing this now, how would I react? What would have happened? Because uh don't know how well I would have done. Yeah. Oh no, I'd be out like the first <laughs> first round. I don't even think I would agree to like go in there. I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna leave now. Yeah. <laughs> so horror week is coming. What are the dates for horror week for this year? So this year we're going from the 25th all the way to the 31st. So we are cutting it like right on Halloween. I know like previous years we've done it the week before. Uh, never the week after, though. But for right now, we thought it would be best just to have it straight on Halloween. That does fit really well. I was quite impressed when I saw the dates and I was like, it's ending on the 31st. How poetic does that like fit? <laughs> That's good. Right? Because I mean, I feel like as soon as Halloween hits, right after that, people just go into Christmas mode. They forget about Thanksgiving and they're like, oh, it's the holidays now. Yeah. So we definitely wanted to give that one last like surge of halloween before everything turns straight to christmas <laughs> you never know you could get like a horror christmas thing going on oh <laughs> yeah new there's that movie uh black christmas that's like straight up just horror and christmas really yeah <laughs> oh i didn't uh, didn't see that coming there you go <laughs> <laughs> so this year then you've got a whole host of different things i was quite impressed with the the themes for this year yeah, people really, I don't want to say stepped it up, but we got a lot more submissions this year for like different themes. And a lot of them we kind of looked at and they had the same baseline. So we combined some of them and turned it into something else. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, I got to say, like this fourth year running, it's getting a little harder to pick themes because they all kind of blend together now. Um, but we kind of wanted to do something different this year. So we changed it up from just like that one word prompt thing. Right. So, yeah, so you've kind of expanded it a little bit. And I do like that they're quite um, open themes as well. So it does allow people to like really run with whatever they kind of feel inspired with, with the prompt. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely... We didn't really know what to do most of the time just because we took a screenshot of all the submissions and then we all looked at them and we were like, okay, this is interesting. Like we need to make sure it's not too much like the past themes, but also give people the submissions that they wanted. Because I did, we get, did get a lot of like vampire, werewolf, witches, which we're always down for, but we've also had themes so close to that in the past that we wanted to definitely go a little more into the bridge between uh, this could be horror and this could actually not be horror at all, at all. Like it could completely change. Yeah. And that kind of goes along with the whole idea of like any theme or taking any theme and then seeing what horror twist people want to 
put on it. Yeah, absolutely. And that is definitely what we wanted to go for. So do you want to introduce the seven themes for this year? So for day one, we have cults, which a lot of people actually recommended Midsummer. So that was like the main theme because uh, Florence Pugh, love that girl <laughs> to death and everybody else does too. So we're like, okay, yeah, we can't just restrict it to just Midsummer. So cults <laughs> it is. one movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, some flowers. We're going to get a lot of that. What if people haven't seen this? So yeah, you, that is the um, first one. Do you find that you get a lot of props based on like movies that have been popular that year? Yeah, absolutely. We actually, we had a couple of people suggest like horror parody of movies, um, which we definitely, we had that in the running for a really, really long time, um, but ended up cutting it at the end. So maybe next year we'll have something that's like a direct play off of straight up movies, but uh a lot of people, yeah, we got a lot of requests for like Halloween and like uh, Friday the 13th and all the classics, Scream. And while we wanted to do that, we also had like stuff in the past where it was Final Girls, which is Scream and all of those. And then we had uh, Camp, which definitely Friday the 13th. So we just cut it at the end. Yeah, I can imagine that could be quite tricky as well when it's such a narrowed um prompt like that where it's like a movie or something that to for those who have to write how they it would be real challenge to try and figure out how you do something completely different than what everyone else is going to write so that would be an interesting one yeah yeah and we never know like if people actually like horror movies because sometimes people like writing spooky stuff and then they're just like i would never watch a horror movie or go into a haunted house so there's like a whole different spectrum of what people can tolerate. So we were just like, yeah, we don't want to make you watch a horror movie if you're not into it. So <laughs> yeah, if you're not into Midsummer, maybe <laughs> that would be tricky yeah, to write oh, about. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm a horror fanatic and Midsummer messed me up. So like that's, that's <laughs> see that's, that's worrying. Something. That's because like I'm not a big horror fan, but my girlfriend is. And so she made me sit down and watch The Conjuring. And it was like the first horror movie that I properly sat down and watched. And actually, I will say that I really enjoyed it. And we did watch the other two. But like, I was terrified. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The Conjurings are pretty hardcore. <laughs> what? They're pretty hardcore? Yeah. Well, wow. I think for some reason, like spooky ghost stuff scares me more than like the slasher films. Because I'm just like, oh, that's a regular dude. Like, yeah, it's still scary because he's got a knife. Yeah. But if it's like ghosts and like demons... There's no like tangible way to fight that off. So <laughs> conjuring definitely freaked me out a little bit more. That's fair enough. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I'm not saying that I could tackle Midsummer, but I feel at least I've, you know, I've beaten a little bit of horror. Oh yeah. It's very I've cinematic. It. It's very beautiful, yeah. but like very in 20 years, film students are going to be analyzing it, but it's just like yeah. interesting to see it in real time because the theater we went to gave us flower crowns to watch the like oh, actual wow. movie yeah so it's super immersive and I was just like I don't ever want to see this again and I've seen it three more times so <laughs> if you're saying you never want to see it again I would be worried yeah you could end yeah. up with some uh, versions of that in cults then oh yeah absolutely. I'm 100% sure someone's gonna tackle Midsummer in <laughs> one of these 
So day two is family curse. And that one, I definitely picked out myself just because I wanted to see more like campy stuff. And I was obsessed with the movie Practical Magic when I was a kid. It's like very like homey, very witches and they're cursed to where every man they marry will die at some point. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. So when I saw someone suggest that, actually a couple people did, I was like, okay, yeah, family curse. Let's do it. I must admit, I think out of the list, this was the one that I was most intrigued with. I was like, this one could be so much fun to write. Like whether you pick a Bella or whatever that has this curse and like, what's it going to be? And how's that going to affect their lives? And like, whatever else is happening. I was just like, this sounds so good. Yeah. And a lot of people who did suggest werewolves and vampires and witches, you can bring that into different things. It doesn't have to be like completely straight edge, just like, oh yeah, family curse. But yeah, I've seen a lot of people do stuff with mythical creatures where it's just like, oh, their curse is turning into this or something like that. And it's just super interesting because I like the family dynamic for the Bellas, like always. So you can take family as like, hey, the Bellas and they're the family. Or you can take one of the girls and be like, we can expand on who their family is, even though it's not explicitly said in the movie. That's true. Yeah. And I think that's a good point as well is like, if people wanted to cover vampires or werewolves or witches or any other horror like thing, there's no reason why you couldn't put that into one of the themes for horror week. Like if you suddenly have a story that fits family curse or cults that, or any of the other themes that, and you're thinking, Hey, this could be a werewolf story or whatever. um, Then you can kind of mold it into your own. Yeah. I mean, a curse is a curse. You can run with it any way you want. Totally. I'm so excited for this one. Okay. Number three. Number three is Haunted Honeymoon, which I honestly, I'm about halfway through writing my own stuff for this. And this one gave me the most trouble, which is weird because it seems pretty self-explanatory. But I don't know, for some reason, Haunted Honeymoon like stuck with me. You can do a (laughs) bunch of stuff with it, but I also couldn't think of a single thing to do at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of an interesting one because... For me, I, was, I saw it and I was like, so you got to, I could imagine people picking like a, a Bella coupling or a ship that they really like. And obviously you want to see them get married and get together or whatever. And then you're going to throw them in. So we, no, we're not doing the marriage ceremony. We're not doing any of that. You're going to throw them in at the honeymoon. And then what bedlam is going to ensue at the honeymoon, you know? Exactly. So, and uh, islands are creepy, like <laughs> super creepy. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of interested to see what people come up with this because a lot of people honeymoon, you think, oh, I'm going to go to Hawaii or, oh, I'm going to go to somewhere with the beach or mountains or something just to get away from your life. And I think that would be so jarring to like just get married, be so happy and then end up in a place that is completely foreign and then something creepy happens. So yeah, that's got to be spooky. And it must make me wonder as well, not that uh, we want to point fingers at any of the Bellas, but, uh, you know, whoever has the responsibility of booking the honeymoon and they're hoping for this whole romantic getaway. I mean, I can just imagine like if it was Becca and Chloe that, 
Becca probably like Chloe's going to do the wedding. Becca's got responsibility of the honeymoon. And then they'd just be like, why the heck did you pick this place? Or poor, if it was like Emily and Aubrey, it would be Emily. I could just imagine Emily like picking this place and then Aubrey just being like, why? <laughs> of all the places you could have picked, you picked here. Exactly. Both of them would probably be like, hey, I gave you this one responsibility. How did you mess up this bad? <laughs> like, what is this? Like, I literally planned an entire wedding and all you had to do was book plane tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so something that could be so romantic is just not going to be. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. What about day four? So day four is urban exploration, which, you know, that one, we only got a couple requests to do that one, but we wanted to throw it in there because again, it's so open-ended. Um, just abandoned things are creepy in general, especially like things that are abandoned out of nowhere. So like, I don't know if you've ever seen those YouTube videos where they go explore like abandoned locations, Yeah, but there's something calming about it, but also terrifying at the same time, because you get a look into these people's lives. And there's just so much you can do with it because I am a sucker for like urban exploration teams, like just going in and being like, oh, look at this creepy house. We all collectively agree. We want to check it out inside. (laughs) I love that as well with something in the city, because often when I think of horror, I don't think of it happening in a city, a place that there's lots of people, lots of things going on. And like you said, you could find that one building a step away and suddenly you're in this very quiet environment or this forgotten area that is surrounded by so much, so many people, so much busyness. Yeah. It's super spooky. I can say I grew up about 15 minutes away from an abandoned amusement park that wasn't abandoned when I first moved there, but then it became abandoned. So I mean, seeing that and seeing a lot of people just walk into a place that was meant for something and then it completely like imploded because of business reasons. And then they just left everything behind. Like there's documents for like designing the park and everything like that. And it's just so interesting to see that like plans for tourism or plans for anything just completely bottoms out at some point. And you get to the point where it's just like, well, why did you leave? Like, why did you do this? Like, I understand money's a factor, but at the other points, it's like, what else is a factor? What made you get up in the middle of like a meal and just walk out? I love that how you have this like ability to like ask all the why questions. And I think that would work so well for something like urban exploration, where whether they discover something or they're going somewhere or whatever it is, asking all those like, you know, why did this happen? Who was responsible and stuff kind of as to the whole spookiness of the situation. Yeah, and a lot, I'm kind of hoping we see for urban exploration, some hospitals, which sounds <laughs> really weird, but like tuberculosis was a huge thing in like the 1800s. And like, it's not anymore. So now you just have these abandoned tuberculosis hospitals and you get your why right there. It's in like, hey, yeah, it's not needed anymore. But now you have this creepy building where a bunch of people died. And it's just chilling. Like, it's just being reclaimed by nature. So at this point, what are you going to do? Like, I love that it's being reclaimed by nature. Like, it's just, yeah, how the world kind of moves on. And yet these just structures just stand there and let life kind of take over. And suddenly you're going to like throw in a bunch of characters to 
figure it out or find something. For sure. I think we're going to encounter some like demons or something in this one too, where like they just go into an abandoned location and it's terrifying. I love that though, because it is, it does leave it open for you literally to be like, okay, what are they going to discover? What are they going to find? What does the author want them to kind of figure out or find in this whole environment, wherever they chuck them into? Yeah. And you could definitely go into zombie apocalypse here if you wanted to, because a lot of people do request that but we try to stay away from like apocalyptic things. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I'm kind of excited to see where people go with it. I'm excited. Okay. Day five, we're taking a completely different place now. <laughs> yeah. So this one is underwater, which I'm super intrigued for. There's actually like maybe two or three people requested this one, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, we absolutely have to do this. Because I am obsessed with like mermaids and not mermaids in like the classical sense, but like the super spooky sirens and like that kind of thing. There's actually a book by, I think her name's Myra Grant about a film crew that goes underwater to investigate mermaids. And these things are terrifying. They're like the villains of the story. And really? it's just, yeah, it's super insane. And it's actually, it's like a queer novel too. So it's really, really good if anybody ever wants to check it out. But I mean, just the way she took that as like, hey, this is just going to be a film crew going underwater. And then it completely turned into absolute chaos was amazing. And it just like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, we got to do underwater something. I really like that, though, because when I saw the prompt for day five underwater, my first thought was being humans, we can't breathe underwater. So that's terrifying in itself, chucking in characters in a place where you know you have to deal with elements that you can't control and um obviously if they're in a submarine or whatever or their breathing tank you know whatever it is that's just terrifying and then the other side of it of course yeah is like underwater creatures and I did my one of my first thoughts was oh that's really cool that like you could delve into like sirens or mermaids or introduce a different type of horror character or mythical creature that maybe you don't see as much in horror as some of the others. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of stipulation where the two scariest places out of this world, like out of like the ground, is definitely going to be your ocean and your like skies. So space, also super terrifying. And you don't know what's going on. And they share so many similar characteristics. And we did have, I think... Did, See, here's the thing with last year's prompts. Completely forget them. Um, <laughs> but I know we had like space exploration at some point. So we wanted to bring it back down to the ground and like go deeper because there's so much of the ocean that is not explored yet. And you don't know what's down there. But then on the other hand, you can take it too close to the water. It doesn't have to be necessarily underwater. You can do lighthouses. Those are super creepy. That's or you can do true. pirates. You can pretty much do anything you want as long as it's water. Yeah, do pirates. Pirates, pirates are great. Would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, day six. So that one is fortune teller. Another one that we were kind of on the fence about until the very end because there is so much you can do with it. But then one of our admins mentioned the movie Big, which isn't a horror movie, but it's where they have those electronic uh, fortune tellers at like the boardwalk or something like that. And they give you a uh, card that says your wish has been granted after you just put a quarter in there. 
And this guy wishes to be bigger because he gets picked on all the time and he turns into a full grown man. So we were like, okay, interesting. So you could take it that way. And you can also take it back to the circus. I know we had that last year too, but fortune tellers are just creepy in general. So you never know what's going on with them. Yeah. And I know that I've seen fix with ideas of fortune in them before. And so it's quite an interesting thing because you could have Bellas as fortune tellers. You could have them going somewhere or like you said, encountering a machine. Like once you sort of think about the topic, it can expand a lot more than what you think originally. Like it sounds like it's quite a set forward prompt, but actually there's so many ways that you could take it. Yeah. And uh, because the pandemic is a thing, people have actually been turning a lot more to like spiritual beliefs and like actually, which I find really interesting is like the fortune teller business has skyrocketed like the last two years. So I think that's interesting because people are at a place where they're just like, oh, I don't know where to turn. Let's turn to something mystical now. So we wanted people to get that creativity of hey, you go to this woman or this man or whoever, and they could give you a fortune, but it's up to you if you make that fortune super bad or if you make it actually something that works out for them. That's quite interesting as well, because I sort of read somewhere online the fact that like, you know, the TikTok is a really big place for fortunes and like um, spiritualism, you know, the, the, the cards that they do. Because is it tarot reading and they'll do like yeah. live you know they go live on tiktok and they'll you know pick people in the chat and do their uh, fortunes or whatever they're sort of reading so obviously like you don't even have to physically go to the place where they are now they can do it virtually online and you could do it from the comfort of your own home yeah it's definitely interesting to see how it's evolved over the years because people always thought that fortune tellers were like super isolated at some point and you can definitely go that way too of like the archaic fortune tellers where they are like seen as witches or something like that um but now it's like pretty pretty fairly accepted that people are more into like occultish magic yeah there's so many different like ways which you could stand on that or areas that you could tap into depending on kind of what you want to do for the topic and what type of fortune or or thing you want to do for characters for sure i'm i'm excited about this one because i i mean i tapped out at urban exploration for where i was writing so you know now i have the three prompts left and i don't i have not a clue what i'm going to do so far so (laughs) excited to see what other people come up with which leads us to day seven, which I think is the most intriguing one. I think this one could be an interesting uh, prompt. Yeah, uh, bringing it back to uh, the Conjuring movies, The Devil You Know, that uh, kind of pulled into that last Conjuring movie that was released where they tried to use uh, demonic possession as defense in a court case. So we definitely we saw a lot of like demonic underworld stuff and like possession so we wanted to pull it straight together into one thing and that was the the tagline that stuck with us the most so in like retrospect it's mainly just about demons and all that kind of stuff but again you can take it anywhere you want you can like bring it back to the whole movie thing and like parody demonologists or something like that whatever works best for you 
I also think that the devil you know is also like part of that saying of it's better than the devil you don't. But what if the person like in your own household is worse than anything <laughs> that you can like ever imagine? <laughs> Just to make it a bit more sinister. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, oh no, like my girlfriend got possessed. What the? I was going to cuss. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> kind of thing which i mean we did have accidental um like demon summoning last time and you can take it there too if you want but we kind of wanted the last day to be as broad as possible when it came to whatever you wanted to do because religion especially like old religion is terrifying so we wanted to make sure people had enough to where they could make a prompt but they weren't like trapped in a box yeah that's true and i like the fact that it's kind of like a a saying or a sentence you know the devil you know like how do you work that into a story or where does your mind lead you to with something like that and like you said yours kind of takes you to that whole kind of demonic area so like it would be so interesting to see what people do with that prompt and kind of where they take it yeah I'm super excited for this one because I don't again totally don't know what I'm gonna do but <laughs> Since we have that Discord and people are like talking it out, it's nice to see where they're going with it. Because it, it also just makes, I mean, like taking a completely different way, it makes me think of Scooby-Doo. I don't know why, just the whole idea of like, you think you know, but you don't. Like, it's always like, who's under the mask or uh, I something love that. like that. That's amazing. <laughs> so with all the props, you mean we have an eclectic mix for Horror Week this year. It switches so fast. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's lovely to see just the variety of prompts and they're, they're all totally different. Is there anything that people need to know um, to take part in Horror Week? Uh, so the most important part, as always, is going to be those hashtags that you use just so we can see it and we can like make sure that it gets featured. Uh, without the hashtags, we don't know. Like you can totally tag us in things that we miss or message us if we miss anything, but those hashtags are where we find everything. So for this year, the hashtags start off as hashtag HW21, and then it goes with the days. So the first one's 2101, and then it goes to 2102, and then 2103, all the way until you get to 2107. But of course, the day of the actual like prompt we will post something that reminds you of the hashtag just so it's not like, oh, I have to scroll through all this to get back to the main thing. So yeah, we definitely want you to use those hashtags so we can find your work. Okay. And that's mainly um, Tumblr, right? Yeah. So mainly on Tumblr, we do encourage to post other places like AO3 or fanfiction.net, wherever you feel most comfortable um, but if you link it on Tumblr, that would be the best way for us to spread it to other people who are interested in Horror Week. Nice. And it doesn't just have to be fixed either, does it? It could be a whole range of things. Yeah, it can be anything. I've had people submit video edits. There's been mood boards I've seen a lot. Fan art. Fan fiction is usually the one we see the most of. But anything creative that you can think of, we'll definitely uh, try to get our hands on and try to share it with everybody else. I must admit, if you are on Tumblr last year, some of the mood boards that came out were amazing. And like, I wanted them to be stories. They were so good. Like there was like one in the circus and like it burning down. And I was just like, wow, this is like, there's like a whole little story there. This that sparks your imagination of. So some of the mood boards and stuff are fantastic. 
Yeah, I love seeing the mood boards because I like conceptualizing stuff. So even when I write my own fan fiction, sometimes I'll make my own mood boards, but it's really cool to see like, oh yeah, like we gave this prompt and this is what they saw out of it, like in a series of images. And it's just, I mean, not to be cheesy, but picture's worth a thousand words. So go for it. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. Yes. <laughs> Well, I am well excited to see what's going to happen for Horror Week. And uh, hopefully you have like a load of people taking part. You put a lot of effort into kind of getting it all ready. Yeah, absolutely. We're super ready for it. Um, and like always, if you don't get everything done by the time Horror Week is over, don't worry about it. Just go ahead. Keep using those hashtags. We do check them and we can still reblog after Horror Week's over because I know it's a lot like seven things in one week that's a lot of stuff so there's no technical time limit uh but we definitely look out for stuff for like at least half a year after it's over yeah I think that's quite a good point as well as like I know it can feel like a lot of pressure to get all of the prompts done for the specific week but you don't have to feel that pressure like you can get it out at any point after that as well and sometimes it's quite amusing when you get to like Christmas and there's like another horror week to read and you're like oh, I'm ready for like another little bit of a spooky story here we go yeah and I have the um on AO3 I have the like horror week tagged just bookmarked in my phone so I can check it constantly just because I'm constantly spooky all year round like Christmas does not affect me as much as Halloween <laughs> does so I just chill and I wait <laughs> so out of those prompts which one are you most looking forward to doing oh so family curse probably is up there and then underwater gotta be number two nice i like it it's gonna be yeah i'm like i'm excited so as we've been kind of covering horror week one thing that i wanted to kind of delve in with you a little bit more and last time you were on the podcast you introduced us to this game which was vampire witch and werewolf where you sort of mentioned that you would when you were working you'd look at people and try and guess whether they were a vampire, a witch, or a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm just, I'm so intrigued by this. And I thought, why don't we take a look at the Bellas and do this game? Because I just think that this was like a whole fantastic, like, rabbit hole. And after having the conversation last year, it, it did make me like stop for a second. I'd be out and about and be like, oh, what about this person? What would they be? Right. Yeah. Instantly, if someone's wearing a flannel, I'm like, you're either a lesbian or a werewolf. Like, I don't know which one. So. Oh, I'm wearing a flannel right now. So, oh, no. <laughs> does that mean I'm a werewolf? Possibly. Okay. Well, jury's still out. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you, you've posed an interesting question already, which is like, what are some of the qualities that you look for that denote if somebody is like, a vampire witch a werewolf so you're saying if they wear flannel there's a very high possibility that they're a werewolf yeah absolutely so whenever uh me and my coworker would do this we were in a very beachy area so flannel was like interesting for us to see in the middle of summer because a lot of people would be like flip-flops and tank tops so we were just like okay yeah werewolf woodsy flannel so <laughs> it was just like a natural connection in our minds to think that um obviously facial hair which like sounds really weird but if we see like a mountain man with a giant beard we're like you're probably not a vampire but okay yeah that's a good point I often when I think of vampires I think they're often clean shaven for some reason I don't yeah. know what it is 
I don't either, but like, I don't think I've ever seen a vampire with a beard. Maybe it's like messy or whatever. I don't even know. But Wait, does Dracula have a beard or not? I think he maybe went into a goatee era at some point. Know. But interesting question. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I think he had some, maybe like a wispy mustache or something, maybe. but not like full on beard. If it is, it's going to be well-groomed, well-maintained. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I feel like Dracula cares a lot about his, like, public image, even though he technically can't see himself in the mirror. He still cares about it. That is a very good point. Like, for an animal or whatever you would call a vampire, I don't know, a, a being who uh, can't see themselves, they are very well-maintained most of the time. Like, they're just very clean-cut I'm assuming the Twilight characters could see themselves in the mirror, but they were also very well groomed. Yeah, I feel like yeah. they're definitely like, well, if I have to live forever, at least I'm going to look good doing it, like that kind yeah. of thing. And like, on the other hand, werewolves are like, you know what, dude, I'm half animal. I'm just going to lean into it. <laughs> yeah, werewolves are like, I've got fleas. Come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're one with the dirt. <laughs> Yeah, they they probably like yeah. I mean, I would have thought with werewolves, they because they're quite they're quite earthy, and I would see them as quite earthy beings. You know, dogs are quite close to the ground. They use it to sniff out stuff. Like they're just they're one with nature. Yeah, they probably yeah. smell a little bit like dirt, but it's totally fine. <laughs> or woodland, yeah, something. Like yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I could see like werewolves being a little bit scruffier but they don't really care because you know they it's turn into wolves like, yeah it totally works for them but like you can definitely tell when someone walks by it's like okay yeah you could if you were a mythical creature werewolf is it <laughs> which then takes us to uh, witches and wizards yeah so whenever we were looking out for that specifically just people who, I don't want to say didn't care, but people who didn't wear, like, things that were considered normal. Like, you have, like, the flowy clothes. You have, like, super, like, extravagant makeup where you have just, like, a lot of purples, a lot of blues. Um, just people who kind of look, like, otherworldly. We would just look at them and be like, okay, you're definitely a witch. Or, like, for some reason, we associated strong will with witch, too. Because we were just oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it's just like if you have a command about you, since they have to command spells or something like that, we always just base it off of like general energy and like the whole look. I like that. So they're almost a bit eccentric. Yeah, like nature. as close that you can get without being like wearing a physical witch's hat. Yeah, I like that whole idea that if, that if you saw someone and they've got a commanding nature that maybe they're more witch or wizards then uh yeah they kind of have this air about them yeah i feel like you definitely in all the media that i've consumed about like cheesy werewolves witches and vampires witches are definitely the one that seems to translate to everything as in like hey i want something done and it's going to be done now i like that that's interesting i think also witches and wizards would be the ones like like you mentioned them being a little bit more eccentric they're the ones that could most easily pass in day-to-day -day life but like you said there's just something that just makes them a little bit of an oddball yeah it's so just it's like the closest yeah. you can get to being like hey this person blends in but there's something that's 
interesting about them to the point where it's just like a little bit unsettling, but not in a bad way. Because vampires, I feel like if you saw a vampire, you'd be like, okay, it's 80 degrees, take the trench coat off. But (laughs) these people are just like, yeah, I can wear like a t-shirt, but it's going to be a cute t-shirt. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I like that. This is interesting, which then takes us to the Bellas. So if we just like work down the list, Aubrey. So Aubrey, I'm always torn between, but I think I have to go with Vampire for Aubrey. It it was funny because when we were talking and uh, when I thought about the, when you were giving the descriptions of them, there's something about Aubrey and how prim and proper she has to be in all moments. It just makes me think vampire. Yeah. Right. And I feel like if she were a vampire, she wouldn't be the one that was just like, you know what? I'm alive forever. I can kill whoever I want kind of thing. She'd definitely be like, if I'm going to get rid of this person, I have to do it methodically. And no one's going to know I'm a vampire, but I'm definitely going to be one. I like that as well. When you think of like the different um, creatures, like, werewolves probably wouldn't think about it that much they they're gonna get their hands you know it's all about teeth and and whatever else like just get they're just gonna get in there and get it done whereas like i can imagine a a vampire is just gonna be a lot more methodical with their approach how they do it and it's interesting as well because vampires are gonna get their hands more dirty than a witch or a wizard oh absolutely i think vampires for some reason in media they get way way into trouble like constantly and i don't know if it's because they get bored or whatever but like they just are always at the forefront of oh i accidentally unleashed this kind of thing i like that that's good (laughs) so we're saying aubrey vampire yep that is my final answer it's interesting though because like people have covered the bellas in different you know, situations and scenarios through fix. And I always love seeing where they place them, whether it's like, you know, they're all witches or werewolves or vampires. Um, and sometimes you have a mix of all of them in there together and seeing where they've placed all the Bellas and what they are. And so it's kind of interesting to see kind of like where we think they are in this little game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, here's one that I think would be quite interesting. Amy. Amy, oh, you know what? I get really werewolf vibes from her sometimes. Really? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But the other times I think I got to go with witch. It's interesting because when I, I found Amy like really tricky to pinpoint, like you mentioned, but I think I did settle on witch in the end. Yeah, I think... Um, like first movie definitely werewolf but then from then on out i think she gets like very witchy vibes to her what is it that promotes this sort of witchy vibe that you get from amy um you know <laughs> she's very eccentric like, <laughs> in general that is true but i feel like honestly my brain just wants to put her as a mermaid in general even though that's not one of the options i'm like she could be a mermaid that could work. She, I mean, to be fair, in the first movie, she did kind of like put her into a mermaid box just right? with that one scene. <laughs> she kind of did. It's interesting, though, that you mentioned that part of you wanted to make her a werewolf as well, because like, I can't remember which movie it is where she's just willing to kind of just, she like roll up her sleeves and just kind of get in there. No, it, it was, it's the first movie with the, the fight 
the uh, the first competition regionals and literally just like let me out I'm like she's not thinking about it at all she just wants to get into the fight yeah so the first movie for some reason she gave me like oh this is a pack mentality vibe like these people are fighting I don't care who I hit but I'm gonna hit them <laughs> I could totally see that so oh Amy's a tough one yeah, yeah, I feel like I couldn't even pin her down. Like it's mermaid. It's just a mermaid. <laughs> mermaid. Shapeshifter. We can pick one of yeah. those. One of those Something. things. Okay. Okay. Stacy. Vampire. Immediately vampire. Vampire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it about Stacy that makes her a vampire? Um, so typically vampires are more seductive than any other creature. I feel like if werewolves they definitely have like that whole entire stipulation where they find that one person and they're like this is my person but vampires are like i can actually use my assets to like lure people in and she's got like that classic sultry vibe going to her i yeah i think that is very true like vampires being able to use their assets very well (laughs) and uh yeah being seductive i think well that's stacy to a t isn't it i did actually post this question on twitter and uh, at the chloe's child did say aubrey and stacy both would be hot vampires so right and i think uh, the actress who plays stacy was actually a vampire in like a b movie for a really <laughs> long time yeah so she's got like the fangs and everything so i can't see her in any other light fits still there Stacy's vampire. What else can we say? Which takes us to Lily. Which interesting. What yeah. is it that makes Lily a witch? I will say, as I was like thinking these through, part of me, my first reaction with Lily was vampire, and the only reason for that was the second movie where she's upside down like a bat. That was pretty good. But then, when the more I thought about Lily, the more I was like, no, yeah, witch fits Lily better just just because of her whole nature it she can't be fitting into just like one box of a werewolf or vampire it's like she's just got so much going on for Lily right and I feel like because she likes to set fires which would just be perfect for her that's true (laughs) an arsonist at heart (laughs) I set fires to her joy which which (laughs) behavior right there totally which behavior (laughs) I mean you just have to take all of Lily's like one-liners and, you know, she can have gills like a fish. She sets fires to feel joy. I mean, like how many different spells is she working here? A million, a million of them. <laughs> okay, Jessica. Ooh, you know, I always have issues pinning down Jessica and Ashley in general. <laughs> um, but I'm going to have to go with werewolf because of the same pack mentality thing. Do Would you... I don't want to kind of annoy any Jessie fans, but sometimes it's hard to separate the two of them. So would you, are you pairing them together and saying they would both be like a werewolf or are they different? Uh, Yeah, I probably would put them together. I know this sounds so terrible, but whenever I write fan fiction, sometimes I definitely like if I need like, because I have that whole werewolf fan fiction, but my whole entire thing is like, oh yeah, like they could totally be pack members because they do like follow. But then if you look again, it could be witches. Like they could be in a witch's coven. So I think for them, I since there isn't too much information other than like little things here and there, I think you can place them in any category really. 
That's interesting. I must admit, with something like this, I think I would probably pair them together because of the fact that they are always together in the films and like they just seem to kind of have that energy together. They bounce off of each other really well. So having that thing in common, which they relate to, I think would be really endearing with Jessica and Ashley, whether it was werewolves or vampires or witches. So yeah, that kind of like fits for me. I don't know which one I would place them into. I I don't really see them as vampires, I will admit. Like, no, out of yeah. the three, vampires is the one I would say the least. I think witches and werewolves are, like, a solid tie for them. But no, I couldn't see vampire either. Yeah, I I like, I kind of like the idea of werewolves. But then, like, I don't know. There's something about them being witches that I think would be quite fun. Because I, I always think Jessica and Ash are quite underrated, and yeah, I, just, I agree. Yeah, I like the idea that, like, maybe they're these really powerful witches and just nobody gives them the attention that they deserve. Like, they actually, they just keep the Bella's house together or whatever with all their spells. It just runs functionally because of them and nobody actually appreciates that. Honestly, I like the, I've always loved the theory that Jessica and Ashley are the two that keep everything together in general because everybody else is so chaotic. And it's just like, they're always there. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. So CR. Um, this one's hard for me. I would say vampire, to be honest. Interesting. Why is that? I just, her general like forward energy and like, she's really not afraid to be like, hey, you need to take it down a notch kind of thing. To where I feel like she definitely has this thing with control that she struggles with. Because she had like that uh, like gambling issue, I think, in the first That's movie. a good point. Yeah, yeah. So like for some reason, vampires are usually like gamblers or like someone with like a super bad vice. So I'm thinking maybe vampire. I like that. That's an intriguing one. Yeah, because part of me was like... Would she fit quite well as a werewolf? But there is something about CR that she, not in the same vein as Aubrey, but she does like to be very slick and set with her appearance. Like, there's something about her where she's always very well kept. Um, she definitely is. Yeah, and that does lean more towards the vampire side of things. I could see that. And like, it's interesting that you mentioned that vampires have always had like a vice. Mm-hmm. And I like that whole like idea. Obviously we've talked about Aubrey and Stacey and that, but it just like, like you said, with, with CR, you could potentially see the maybe areas where she has a lack of control. And it then, you know, it makes you wonder about like Aubrey or Stace or whoever could be a vampire. And what is the thing that they struggle with the most in, in their own personality? Oh, yeah, I definitely think all three of them would have control issues as vampires. (laughs) Okay, Emily. Uh, Okay, so Emily is my favorite Bella. So I struggle with this one. (laughs) So I do have a fan fiction where she's a werewolf. So I'm leaning more towards that. But hear me out, because she would be the worst werewolf you can ever get. (laughs) She would be horrible at it. But I think she would definitely be werewolf or maybe a little bit witch but i'm leaning for werewolf see like oh i think emily could be the hardest to place really because like 
part of me likes the idea that she could be a vampire, but she would be like, like, like you said about being a werewolf, she'd be like the worst vampire. She'd be so she wouldn't want to kill anybody. No. And she'd hate <laughs> like she would just be the worst vampire, but then she'd be like really cute with the little fangs and just like a happy little <laughs> vampire. Yeah, probably vampires out with Emily. I don't know, like any of them, you just kind of see Emily, you're just like, oh, you just be like. You'd just be happy anywhere, wouldn't you, Emily? It's just one of those things. Yeah, she'd be fine with anything. She'd be like, okay, this is happening. I'm half dog. It's it's okay. It's great. I'm going to make it work for myself. Yeah. (laughs) She definitely would figure it out eventually. Yeah. Or like, she would like discover that she's got powers and this is like a witch and this we know she's a little bit clumsy and just maybe the antics that would happen because of her clumsiness with her powers. Absolutely. I feel like, so I have this, like I said, I have that werewolf fan fiction and I have this thing where I know her and Chloe don't have that much rea- like interaction with each other, but the interaction that they do have, you can tell that Chloe's just like, Hey, keep it together. But like, <laughs> I also care about you and I love you. So shut up. So I feel like no matter what she is, Chloe would be the mentor for her in the situation. Chloe and Becca would definitely be like, listen, we need to take it down to a two. I know you're at a 10 right now. <laughs> I love that. I love as well how you kind of almost made Chloe like, she'd find it endearing, but then also just be like, come on, get your head back yeah. in the game. Like, <laughs> She's like, you need to focus up, but yeah. like, it's cute. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Becky would probably be the more doting one then. And then like, Chloe's just like, get it together. We have to, yeah. we have to focus. <laughs> it's like that one scene I think it was in Pitch Perfect 2 when Chloe's like glaring at her and Becca's just like hey yeah. knock it off <laughs> <laughs> oh so like I don't know if I would place her as a werewolf or a witch that's, that's definitely a so bad at either one I'm glad we're, <laughs> we're yeah. like, <laughs> poor Emily in agreement about that one <laughs> <laughs> okay Flo you know I always thought Flo would make a good witch I like that yeah, I think she's she's very driven and like clearly she's been through hell and back. I know it's like made a joke in the the films, but I'm just like, what? Like it's <laughs> not normal every time she speaks, but I think she has like the drive to be a witch and I feel like her story would definitely be like she didn't know she was a witch and like her family hid it from her forever and then she like went off to college and found out she was a witch. I love that whole idea. I think that would actually be fit really well with Flo. And just the idea that she could, because obviously you've got like Latin American in there and stuff and like the different cultures that maybe she would draw upon that whatever sort of like cultural, historical things that could come from that, that could make for a really interesting witch. Yeah, I think that would be super interesting. I. I mean, sadly, only know about like American Gothic witches because I mean, that's where I grew up. But there are a ton of books about just witches in different cultures. And I think that would be really cool to pull into anything. Yeah. And if you had like other Bellas, like we've mentioned somebody like Lily, who would have a whole like type of being a witch. And then you throw Flo, which would have a completely different perspective and a completely different way of doing things. And just like throwing them all together and seeing what happened would be so interesting. Yeah, that would be amazing. Okay, so we've got our final two Bellas, Chloe. You know, I've written her as both vampire and werewolf and witch, actually. And I always 
go to werewolf and I don't know why. <laughs> what is it about Chloe that like makes you draw, like you just lean on to werewolf? Um, I think when I first started writing hair as a werewolf, because I have that whole entire, literally it has so many parts of her just being a werewolf. It's like, what, 60 parts and then like a spinoff or something. I don't even know. I haven't looked at it in a while. <laughs> Um, but with that specifically, I started writing her cause werewolves are my favorite. And then from there, I kind of saw more characteristics with it. She definitely, I think also has control issues. She doesn't want to admit it, but she likes to be in one place, like where she's at. And if you think about it in that aspect, like the Bellas are her pack and she purposely like failed a bunch of stuff to stay with them and like be in a comfort zone and historically werewolves like to isolate themselves or like be with everybody they can be so for her it was just like she likes being around people and she's kind of excitable which is weird but she definitely she gets very excited over (laughs) random things so I was like you have like puppy mentality sometimes so (laughs) I don't know that could be a whole episode in itself is Chloe's puppy mannerisms but we're not going to go there but um I think that's very true though with Chloe like she she does have a very lovable nature with her there is something about Chloe Beale that she's a very likable character people seem to like her a lot as well it's just in in the world she just seems like the type of likable person and I liked what you mentioned about what you see from the films she is so focused on the ballads and that is her pack and she literally will do anything to try and make that happen and make, you know, keep the pack safe or to be successful. And so I could totally see that with Chloe and how that kind of really leans into the sort of whole werewolf vibe. Yeah. I don't know why I've always pinned her as that, but I'm just like, yeah, you could be a werewolf. And then I'm just like, oh yeah. Like she could teach Emily to be a werewolf and it would work. (laughs) I could see that. And there's also something like if you if you get Chloe to that edge, I could imagine her being quite scrappy. Oh, yeah. I feel like she has a bit of psychopath in her. Just a yeah. little, little tiny <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> so our final Bella is Becca. Ah, uh, vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Becca's funny because, like, I could see her parts of her being a werewolf. But then, like, when I think yeah. when you put it down to it, I think my reaction would be vampire as well. Right. Or she could be the token human that's just like, this doesn't make sense. What do you mean you're a vampire? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's just the one who just like, what the heck is this, everybody? What's going on? <laughs> but like vibing with it, too. She's just like, OK, I just walked in on my roommate drinking blood, but it's fine. Like, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you want coffee later or something like that? But I feel like if I had to pin her down, vampire for sure, because she does have that same like controlling aspect to her as Aubrey does even though she doesn't want to admit it but she does yeah it's kind of interesting because I think I would pair Becca with vampire definitely and there is something about her uh, that just leans toward more towards vampire where I think she does like to especially in the first movie you know, she's quite a loner and, you know, she doesn't really like to associate with people and she's a bit of a perfectionist with 
the way she wants to do stuff with her mixes and, you know, getting that all right. And so that side of it, I, I could totally see her in vampire mentality. The other side of it is like, there's just something about Becca being a werewolf where she would be Aubrey's just vein of existence. Like oh, being yeah. a vampire as Aubrey would be, you know, having to associate with a werewolf and somebody who's actually going to stand up to her being the like the creature that she detests the most and having to deal with it is just quite funny. I totally agree with that dynamic. I, for some reason, I've always believed that like if Becca was a vampire, she would be old as dirt. First of all, like <laughs> super old. Cause I like the idea that like, she's so into music that she was probably there for like the evolution of music in general. And then I like she's that. like where she is now. But I also like the idea that like, she's been annoying Aubrey for centuries like, <laughs> for so long perfect well I think that yeah we've gone through all the Bellas I'm I am impressed that we've managed to like narrow them down into uh, vampires witches and werewolves that's been good yeah it does make me just kind of want to go out there now and just people watch and just kind of right? think about why I'd place them it makes day-to-day -day life a lot more interesting when you just chill and you watch people go to the grocery store and you're like, weird, why are you picking up like a whole entire pot roast right now? Like, what is, <laughs> what's your thought process here? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Horror Week is happening from the 25th to the 31st of October. And just remind us of the themes again. So day one is cults. Day two is family curse. Day three is haunted honeymoon. Day four is urban exploration. Can't talk today. Um, day five is underwater. Day six is fortune teller. And day seven is the devil you know. And literally anybody can take part. It could be fix, mood boards, artwork, like... Anything works. Awesome. If they wanted to check out anything to do with Horror Week, where is the best place for people to do that? So we do have a Tumblr called Pitch Perfect Horror Week, and that is where you're going to get all your information. Um, we don't really post it anywhere else since it is mainly a Tumblr thing. Um, but if you want to check out last year's submissions, you can do it through that Tumblr page or you can check out the Horror Week tag on AO3. Fantastic. And uh, I know that you've been up to a whole load of things and you've got your own kind of work out there as well. Where can people kind of keep up to date with your stuff? Yeah, so I actually, uh, if you want to check out my fan fiction, I am unholy hell big across all the boards. So that would be Tumblr and that would be AO3. And I think there's someone fanfiction.net too, but I have no clue. And then uh, I also, if you guys want more spooky stuff, I actually have my own podcast called Coast to Ghost um, that I do with a friend from uh, my hometown. So that is all things spooky from like the... In like culmination of vampires all the way to recent cold cases so you can find that on spotify and also soundcloud i believe and apple podcasts awesome that's called coast to ghosts coast to ghosts yeah i love it fantastic well thank you so much for joining me today it's been i just i've enjoyed delving into a little bit more of horror and getting ready for horror week me too it makes me want to go right now and a big thank you to Shelby for coming on the episode and sharing with us about Horror Week. If you do want to check out anything to do with Horror Week, head over to Tumblr and look for Pitch Perfect Horror Week 
and you can find all the information about it there and they also do have a discord now so if you want to take part you want to talk to other creators taking part in horror week there's also that that you can take part in and that's all the information of that is on their tumblr okay so fan fiction highlights obviously taking like a little bit of a break means that there's an awful lot of fan fiction to look at so i just tried to draw out three there's loads happening and it's great to see just all the creative juices that people have like it really keeps me going and uh, i love reading the stories it just it just fills me with so much joy and the fact that like we're still making amazing stories about these characters just doesn't stop it's so so much fun so with our fan fiction highlights this week we have got an aubrey poser story we've got a story about pumpkin carving and taylor swift i mean what more do you want really it's great starting off with a story that kind of centers around aubrey posen it's called sometimes i wish for falling by i'm gonna say this wrong but it's naxisqui i'm gonna say this is available on ao3 and the summary says aubrey posen has it all at the moment she's kicking ass at law school Jessie's being the perfect boyfriend and her best friend Chloe couldn't be happier now that Becca's her girlfriend. So where does all this dissatisfaction come from? So this is a triple treble story. Kicking it off with triple treble. And uh, it does basically centre around Aubrey Posen. One thing that I really enjoyed when I dove into this story, it's a multi-chapter, so you've got like a good like 19 chapters to delve into, is the fact that it's really focusing on Aubrey Posen's like perspective in, in a monologue. So as you're reading, a lot of the things that you pick up on is kind of like her inner thoughts as you're going through the story. There's points that I really, really enjoy where literally she'll be speaking and then obviously the spoken bit will be sort of cut off but then it continues as her like inner monologue in her head and so like there's some really fun moments where she says something but then her inner monologue is kind of like screaming at her or whatever it is because as with Aubrey Posen when she gets a little bit frazzled or when things aren't making sense and not going to order like mentally just crazy place so you get some really kind of fun and interesting moments with that but also just is very relatable when somebody has kind of a great inner monologue because like if you're an overthinker like me and I feel like Aubrey Posen is a bit of an overthinker you can relate to just constantly having that battle and sometimes just mentally throwing yourself in for a loop which I feel is what Aubrey Posen is doing there's a lot of like overthinking and feeling bad about things and like her feelings and all this stuff and obviously there's a good like dose of the Chloe in there but one of the things that kind of I found really interesting with the story was the fact that there's a certain amount of chaos throughout and the between Aubrey Posen, Chloe Beale and Becca Mitchell each of the characters just kind of like have their own freak out moments or things where it's just not quite making sense or it's a little bit chaotic and so it's not just Aubrey that's having to deal with everything although a lot of it is from Aubrey's perspective I loved how chaotic this was as a triple treble story and just how each of the characters especially within the three had to deal with their feelings and kind of work through where they were at 
I must admit, some of Chloe's choices in this story kind of threw me for a loop, and there was points when I didn't like Chloe very much just because of what was happening and the hurt that was being caused at certain moments. But it all makes sense as you're kind of going through. I also love how... I don't know what it is about Triple Trouble, but... Chloe does kind of always, to me, play quite a pivotal role in it kind of working out. And it's kind of similar with the story. Not that she knew how everything was going to go, but that she just, between the three of them, she's more open to these ideas. And so she often helps the other two kind of reconcile their feelings in a sense. So, like, you get a lot of that. And then just the power shifts, whether it's, Aubrey coming to terms with things or Becca coming to terms with things and how they each just kind of come to the triple treble relationship in their own terms so there's like a lovely amount of like chaos in there but then also it was lovely to see each one of the characters kind of get there in their own way because sometimes I think with triple treble stories and it's not a bad thing like I love triple treble like two of them are already kind of set on this and they'd be trying to coax another one in. Whereas this one, it really felt like each of them individually was working this out. And so they kind of ended up on a, quite an equal level going into it. And that just kind of was really enjoyable to kind of read through and just see it play out. So I really enjoyed that with this story. And it was great to just have like another really interesting and kind of deeper triple travel story to delve into because you don't always get them so it was just a joy next up i have got pumpkin carving by ferret boy 64 on ao3 the summary says who could have known that becca carving a pumpkin could have such life-altering ramifications so as it sounds so simply becca mitchell is carving a pumpkin this is a little one shot but it's amazing to me how much can happen from pumpkin carving. This kind of centres around Becca's junior year at Barden and it follows along the story of Pitch Perfect and obviously Becca's dating Jessie and they're living at the Bella's house and she's really close with Chloe. So there's like the typical things you would expect from like a Bella's house type of story. I loved how the author had taken basically a very simple task of pumpkin carving and had kind of orchestrated this whole thing that was going to happen. Like, delving into the story, I had no idea what it was really going to be about. How, like, this one act could have a ramification on not only her relationship with Jessie but also her friendship with Chloe and how it just all kind of merged together and I thought that was such a really cool way of just like it's such a simple concept of just having it around one moment but it was very enjoyable just to kind of like have all of these things play out. One of the things I really loved with the story was just how Becca dealt with everything and kind of came to view I suppose, a paradigm shift in her view of things as uh, everything was rolling out between her and Jessie and, and everything. It was just like her focus was all on this pumpkin. The dedication that she had to carving this pumpkin was impressive. I was reading the story being like, man, I wish I had such dedication carving a pumpkin. I mean, it's not like a big thing here in the UK, but I'll, you know, I'll give it a go. 
But clearly, Becca, if she's this good at pumpkin carving as in this story, I'd want her to carve all the pumpkins. One of the little gems of this story is the fact that we don't know what Becca's carving throughout the whole story. Like, she's working so hard on this pumpkin carving and you have no idea what's happening. And all of this stuff's rolling out and I love how much concentration she is giving to this pumpkin. Like, it means so much to get this right. And if she messes up or things just don't quite go that great, you know, it's really affecting her. She really wants this pumpkin to go well. The pumpkin just becomes quite symbolic, really, of everything that kind of happens in this story. It's so, it was just like so poetic in that way. And then when you get the like the reveal at the end of the pumpkin, it was just like, oh, of course, of course it would be this. But uh, yeah, it just kind of all worked together. And another part of the story that I really enjoyed was like Chloe's reaction to everything. I don't want to like tell you what really happens in the story, but obviously things are playing out and then Chloe comes home and reacts to whatever has happened. And Becca's kind of throwing her off a little bit into a loop with the way that Becca's acting. But you kind of get this feeling that Becca's kind of matured through her feelings. And Chloe, who's been kind of pining for Becca for so long is having to kind of address things in her own way and it really didn't play out how I thought it would play out just in Chloe's reaction I can totally understand why she reacted the way she did and I loved how it in that way Becca had to be the one to kind of be there for Chloe and you had this really lovely moment at the end I just, yeah, I just loved how it, it really threw me, but in a lovely way at the end. So it's a really just fun little cute story. And even at the end, like, you think it's done and then they're like, um, you've made a mess, Becca. Can we clean this up? Like, just little things that just keep throwing you off and just keeping you on your toes as you're reading through the story. And finally, the last thing I wanted to highlight for this week is called I Don't Want to Keep Secrets Just to Keep You by... By the rosebush laughing, the summary says Chloe knows that Becca is hiding something from her. Or how Chloe finds out that Becca is working with Taylor Swift. This is another cute little one shot and this is available on AO3. This is just like a number of like hilarious... I don't want to say it's hilarious, but it's like a merging of something big happening in Becca's life. And she can't tell her girlfriend and so you have this flip-flop of perspectives whether it's Becca's perspective or Chloe's as to what the heck is happening because Becca is rubbish at hiding things and being inconspicuous about it so Chloe knows that something's up and you get like the great introduction to the story with Becca's perspective and her having to kind of meet Taylor Swift and kind of get this contract rolling out where they're going to work together and then you're going to get then throughout that you that flip-flop to Chloe who's experiencing like something weird happening with Becca but we don't quite know what it is and so like you felt sorry for Chloe in the sense that like she didn't know and it's causing her all this distress but at the same time it was kind of funny reading things about Becca because she wants Chloe to know but she can't tell her and she's like so torn about this whole thing and she's just really bad at hiding things. Like, it's not that she lets things slip, but she just kind of knows that she's hiding something and the issue makes her act in a certain way. And, and so you just have to be like, oh, Becca, come on. You've got this. 
And you just get these little moments throughout the story. And I just love that kind of flip-flop of perspective because you get to sort of see Becca thriving in her job, but also like struggling with that. And then on the other side, you know what's happening and yet Chloe doesn't know a thing. And the other side of it is that Chloe is like a die-hard Taylor Swift fan. And in this story, they've really, really made her a die-hard Taylor Swift fan to the point where she's like keeping track of the TikToks and the Easter eggs and trying to like decipher all these things. And like as a Swifty myself, I enjoy looking at the Easter eggs and stuff, but I am not one of those people who can sit down and figure it out. It's just not going to happen for me. It was very up to date with what's happening right now with the excitement of things like the Red re-record coming out. So it was very in the moment of what's happening right now. And just imagining if Chloe Rebecca were here in this world, having this experience at the same time as all of us. And how, yes, of course, if this was happening right now, Chloe would have TikTok and she would be looking at the Taylor Swift like conspiracies and looking for the Easter eggs and being right into that zone. And I could totally imagine that all happening. It really worked so well for the story that, of course, not only is Becca hiding a secret, but the secret is something very big because Taylor Swift's like Chloe's favourite and biggest artist. And so it just makes everything worse for Becca trying to hide it. There's some great little cameos in there as well from Aubrey and Emily and like how they're like the best buds and play into the story. And I liked how Aubrey I expected to have as like one of Chloe's close friends, but I loved how they included Emily in that as well. It's just a fresh take. Um, and it was just like really cute to just have them all play out. And there was just a whole lightheartedness to this as well, especially near the end, like has things rolled out and like Becca tries her hardest. It's just not going to work. And you just, you just, you know, I mean, it's there in the summary, but like, it's great. Just a lovely, like, light-hearted, fun story. So those are our highlights for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And of course, if you loved listening, I would really help us out if you wouldn't mind leaving a review. Wherever you listen to your podcast, it really does help out what we do. And of course, you can follow us. We're all over social media. If you want to keep up to date, we're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time, pitches. <laughs>